Welcome to Peeves Gabfest, a chapter-by-chapter page-to-screen analysis of the Harry Potter series. I'm Sarah Day. I'm James. And I'm Meigs. And today we are analyzing chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. This is an hour and 25 minutes and 11 seconds to an hour and 36 minutes and 42 seconds of the film. It's Christmas break, Harry is given his invisibility cloak, and we see his deepest desires. <laughs> we will be using our vast knowledge of the wizarding world to compare the page to the screen, and that means we may be gabbing about moments that happen later in the books or the films. You've been warned, Dicklefirsties. But before we begin, a message from the Daily Prophet. No one wants to wait hours for a potion to brew. Ditch the cauldron and order a Blendjet 2 portable blender today. Sure to get you invited to Slughorn's parties, the Blendjet 2 makes blending so easy and convenient. Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up your potions even while riding a broomstick. It's small enough to fit in your cloak, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like frozen fruit and lacewing flies with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning potion without waking up the whole common room. Lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. That, that's a muggle contraption. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. I really want to get the black one and add the Hufflepuff logo. Yes. Yeah, and I want a blue one so that it'll match, well, Ravenclaw, but also my kitchen counters. <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, super important. It's got to yeah. match the ki kitchen counters. It's nice and convenient if that can happen. Black goes with anything, so I think I'm good. Yeah, it's true. Well, what are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code GABFEST12 to get 12% off your order and two free day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code GABFEST12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Welcome back, listeners. James, do you have some feedback for us? I do, and I'm super excited about this one because this is uh, some comments left by one of our followers from TikTok. So, guys, we, 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 we literally will be taking all of your opinions and feedback anywhere. So just go ahead and leave it for us. Leave uh, all the comments on all of the platforms. All of them. <laughs> so this is from one of, our, one of our followers on TikTok, Sid is uh the name on on there and he was responding to one of our video reels that we had posted talking about how excited we are about the new show to begin with uh, and so he posted they shouldn't make a new one i love the idea <gasps> of the movies being carried forever but replacing the original cast will get rid of the fact that they were the golden trio and forever 
be perfect casting. It will be close mm-hmm. to impossible for someone to take Alan's spot as Snape as well as Hagrid. So, Sid, definitely know how you feel. Controversial <laughs> comment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, go, go ahead, ahead. James. <laughs> I, so I've said it before that I don't have this uh, attachment to the actors like a lot of the fandom does have, which I'm very grateful for, I think, because that seems to be a common comment when the show is brought up. Um, mm-hmm. That said, I do agree that Hagrid was perfect casting. Um, Snape, however, I disagree. Love, love, love Alan Brickman, but that is just not how I envision Snape in the book. Yeah, me neither. Snape is a is a completely different character in the book for me, and so I'm very interested to see how they're going to take that that direction. I really think Alan Rickman did a good job in bringing about a different perspective of the character. I'm just ready to see the more violent version of the yes. character that wasn't yeah. really portrayed. Mm-hmm. But to be on Sid's side just a little bit, like I get the point of the hesitation a lot of people have about mm-hmm. the show mm-hmm. and that's maybe something that doesn't get talked about a lot is that we we have a lot of people that have grown up with this have fed a lot of love into it have built their lives around it in some circumstances in some situations and to see a company come in and just say oh we're going to redo the whole thing uh that might m- make it feel like like a burn like they're burned Mm -hmm. or such like they're not stepping on toes and things like that so like i get the feeling at it but the one thing i always like to say is that it it's not i don't think the intention is to burn out what was already set beforehand i think the intention is to maybe expand on what is already there and to give us the ability to like to see it because um we have plenty of different um things out there where we compare uh where we compare oh this actor did this well but this actor brought this character um more things because i can't think of any examples off the top of my head while we're recording but like if you give me some time like i can easily pull up some some people where i've discussed at length with people like they've played the same character but these actors did different things with it. And Sherlock Holmes is a great Sherlock example, Holmes is a great one. Thank you. So like Robert Downey Jr. and Benedict Cumberbatch are like the like one of the two biggest yeah. ones that bring, that people talk about. But there's like even Henry Cavill played Sherlock Holmes at one point and he yes. brought different points to the character. Like I forget it's the, the same I don't know the character, actor's name, but the show Elementary was a really great rendition of that as well. Yeah, it's the same character, but each actor brought yeah. different points to the character that we both like. We all love in in of itself. So, I, I I don't think it's a problem to like recast the characters and have the story be done in a different way because we're just gonna look at it and just be like, that is a great way of like they did it really well this way and they did it really well this way. We're we're always gonna love them, but I think having a right. new perspective is gonna be just as good. Um, I'd be interested, um, Sid, if you're listening, please let us know if you have read the books or not, because the three of us are book readers and it might not be a hundred percent, but I do think that those of us that are excited for the show are excited because there's so much in the books that we want to see on the screen. 
Um, and then those that are not are excited are because they are movie only. Um, not everybody, but for the most part, I, I, I would think that might be the case. True. That could be the case. They don't know what they're missing out on. That's why you Come need back, to listen Sid, to our podcast. To <laughs> yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be really interesting when the show does come out, um, seeing how people react to it. Because right now, everybody's obviously theorizing a whole bunch about what it's going to be like. So it'll be really interesting to see what the reactions are. Including us. We got to get these strikes over with so we can get filming. I know. And I did hear, I have not looked into this, so I could totally be wrong. But I did hear that the acts, uh, the actors, so I don't know if it's like, if yeah, the Screen Actors Guild. Everyone? Yeah. Well, I heard that the Screen Actors Guild, oh, maybe I was thinking of somebody else was going to join the strike at the end of June, and then maybe the Screen Actors Guild as well. But anyways, I heard that the actors were going to be joining. I don't blame them. I mean, strength in numbers, right? So if it's, if what the the bigger production companies, what those CEOs, what their decisions are doing, if that's impacting the writers, it's definitely going to be impacting everybody else who's yeah. not a CEO basically. And so I don't blame them for wanting to jump on that. So maybe that'll make it be over with quicker. Cause if everybody, oh, I would imagine. So yeah, like, well, if and they I don't have writers to... or actors or crew members, they're literally yeah. not going to be able to make anything at all. So everything will come to an absolute halt. So it'll probably make it actually a lot better for everybody and be over with faster. If that indeed does happen. I believe it was Jay Sisson on the Multiverse News podcast was explaining that if the Screen Actors Guild does in fact go on strike, that means not only can you not act, but the actors also can't promote the film. So, for oh, example, yeah. Barbie is coming out and he was explaining that that's why Barbie has been pushing their marketing so much right now, even though it doesn't come out for another two weeks at the time of this recording. Mm. Um, because if they do go on strike, Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, they can't go they can't post on their social media about wow, the movie. Yeah. They can't be doing all of this stuff if they do go on strike. So that's going to be a huge blow to those companies. Well, good. Um, I mean, the screen actors. No, exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. that's smart though. To but anyway, so we're promoting it now. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Pay pay your people so we can get the show. Please for us. Please. CEOs well, and all the great content that are out there. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, Meeks, do you have a review? I don't have a review, but I do have some feedback. So on Discord, we got some feedback from a few people about the sorting hat. So I had asked people to give us some feedback when we did our sorting hat episode about how annoyed I, well, we all were kind of annoyed, right? About this sorting hat, or we had at least talked about the sorting hat talking out loud and, um, it's like implied that the sorting hat was only heard by Harry, but yet he, the sorting hat was speaking pretty loudly. So like everybody in the hall could hear. Mm -hmm. So we were like curious about how people who haven't read the books, but have watched the movies in particular, how those people would feel about it, but really how any one of our listeners feel anyway. So we had a couple people give us feedback. So red dagger on discord says, 
No, because everyone was on such a high of the Harry Potter being at the school and were already cheering for anyone that joined their house. So the excitement tracks. Oh, because that was about the what I was upset about was the overwhelming response that the entire put in Gryffindor Hall gave to Harry being sorted. Okay. That's fine. I accept Red Dagger. Okay. Captain Britain on Discord said, <laughs> um, also, they know his history and that his parents were Gryffindor and the legacy their sacrifice left behind. In their eyes, he couldn't be anything other than Gryffindor, or that's how I perceived it anyway. Okay. Hmm. I mean, you're all making valid points. I still think it was very overdramatic, but I accept what everybody's telling me. Okay. And then this one is about hearing the sorting hat speak. So Super Iron Man on Discord said, currently listening to the cast and as your friendly neighborhood movie only wizard, I'm here to answer your questions. In terms of the Sorting Hat question, I always assumed everyone could hear what it was saying, especially since it shouts the name of the house and has a mouth when it talks. In terms of the crowd cheering after Harry assorted into Gryffindor, I always assumed it was because he was a celebrity and it would happen to any house he was sorted into. The cheering never bothered me. All right. I guess I'm the only one that's bothered <laughs> by the cheering. <laughs> Thoughts, James and Sarah Day? Well, I mean, it's it's never... I, I was kind of neutral on the entire thing in the conversation Same. to begin with because I, I had canoned it as he was only able to be talking to Harry and nobody else was hearing just because I was observing that nobody was reacting to the conversation. And so that just kind of made me think to myself, oh, well, nobody's really hearing it. But at the same time, I was a little off-putted by how loud it had to be because, like, really, the hat has to scream, not Slytherin, eh? (laughs) Like, really? Like, it has to be that loud when it's a personal conversation between you two? But it is what it is. Yeah, same. I don't really have anything to add. It was, yeah, it, they made some good points. So we'll dive into the chapter now. Uh, it starts out and it's kind of just a few days leading up to the Christmas break, but it's really great because we just get some world building of Hogwarts during these few days. We get a lot of world building, actually, which is why I'm partially excited about this entire chapter. I don't know. Maybe it was the fact that I didn't have a lot to work with with the Quidditch chapter last time. Uh, And then I read this one and it's just like full of just like all these little like juicy bits of information. So much so that I literally had to write stuff down so that I could talk about it because I was like, oh, I want to mention this and this and this and this and this. I I probably have more notes than I've ever written ever so it's just i i don't know i really loved it but like the reason why it made me so happy was because i could totally see this being a great episode in of itself just one whole episode it's the christmas episode it's like yeah uh, it's just that cliche holiday that cliche (laughs) holiday episode of just like all the happiness that harry's gonna feel throughout the entire thing and i literally feel like it it has the perfect build up to everything because like you wake up it's like oh it's gonna be the christmas holiday and harry's gonna experience this whole thing and then he goes to bed wakes up finds his present presents hangs out with the weasleys like you get all these like little montages of them like doing christmas activities together and 
like we get to see Percy interact with his family a little bit more and like just Harry Harry having like this grand old time and then <laughs> I've halfway through the episode it ends with him going to bed and then he remembers oh yeah invisibility cloak and then we go with the rest of the episode him exploring the the mirror and his feelings about that and like that whole thing and so it's like a great contrast to mm. how he feels with like him having a really great christmas for the first time ever and being part of around people that like him for who he is and then remembering where he came from and what that means now that he has more knowledge of that actually what happens to his family and him wanting those desires and things so really happy for the first part of the mm -hmm. episode and Christmassy and all that stuff and then solemn um wishful yeah. thinking type scenario it's really interesting half. that you say that because i didn't really think of it in that way as the contrast but i did write down horror in the library and emotional when we get to that scene um but before we get too far into the second part of the chapter let's back it up and yeah, sorry, talk sorry. about the first <laughs> the first few days because we have like, like i said just world building we've got hagrid doing his um gamekeeping we've got professor flitwick decorating the tree um draco being a dick you know all the just <laughs> uh, 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 is this the montage of the episode i don't think so uh no. i th actually think it would be great to kind of see this play out as like a little good segment uh in the beginning because it would it it would build out uh, it would build out kind of just like a good first part of the episode. Like you can tell it's winter, it's crazy, it's cold, but we start off with Malfoy just sneering and jading on mm -hmm. Harry. And then Harry is just like, whatever, I don't care. And then like they run into Hagrid and uh, they run into Hagrid, say hi to him. But then Malfoy comes and like jabs at we uh, like Ron and he tackles him and Snape's like, ah, you know, I, I can see that all being a good continuous scene for them to kind of play off of and, and kind yeah. of build off of the, the characterizations of Draco's conflict with Harry and his, like his need for attention on why he has to make fun of Harry all the time. And like to even include maybe the part where he was trying to like make fun of him for being like a frog, being the new seeker of Hogwarts, like it says in the book, like maybe they could have him like start off with that, but then like nobody reacts. So then he starts jabbing at Harry for like having no family. Mm -hmm. Like it, it could easily just play off of that part of like growing the characters of Snape, Hagrid, Draco. So I don't think a montage would definitely be the best part in this. Would episode. you like to see the episode open with Draco doing this stuff? Um, or would you like it to see it kind of how it was in the film? I personally love how it, transitioned in the film because we the you know it, it opens up on Hagrid dragging the tree in from outside and then we go into the great hall and see Flitwick um decorating the tree with his wand and those are straight out of the book and I do love seeing that and like just the stuff going on in the background you know yeah no I definitely think there should be a like it shouldn't like start the episode off but like 
I don't think there needs to be a montage like right at the beginning of the episode trying to mm-hmm. show us all this Christmassy stuff. I think show us that it's winter, show us that it's we're like getting Christmassy vibes, yeah. and then just go into the dungeons and see everybody suffering, hovering around their cauldrons and their little fires, <laughs> and have Draco start just jabbing at Harry. That's that I think that's how the start of the episode would definitely go. So maybe montage isn't the right word for me, what I was envisioning, because um, is it like a, I don't know what the right word is, but what you're describing is what I meant, I think. <laughs> okay, then montage like definitely isn't, real... yeah, it's it, montage is definitely not the word for that then. It's just fun to add montage into anything that we can. I do have a montage to talk about later. We'll get to it. <laughs> I really want to see the details which is you know just kind of what we're talking about about the world building like Hagrid um helping to nurse the owls back to health that had had some trouble flying through the storm and the hall being decorated I think that they they showed that fine in the films but I want to see even more of those details I wrote that down too I was like I want more in the great hall like because we, it's so we see all these descriptions in the great hall yeah, of like yeah. all this stuff and we barely even get that yeah and i'm like you could do so much more in this room like and, use it and i get it for the film like there were so many other things that they wanted to put in and that's not people who they had to think about like people watching this film without having any idea of what the wizarding world is and not really caring about the golden bubbles coming out of Fil- uh, filch's um flitwick's wand flitwick's. like there are plenty of people who don't care about those details. Let us know if you're a details person or not in the comments on any of the socials that we're on. <laughs> um, but but I think that with the TV show, they'll have a lot more time, of course, to add those sorts of details in. And I think that it will just help with the world building. Um, Definitely. Yeah. And then also, I really want to see, and more of this in general... Um, students measuring potion ingredients because they barely do mm, that in the films yeah. and I think that that's yes. really fun because they're really interesting ingredients and it's not something that I mean I guess I can't speak for everybody but like I don't measure out powdered lionfish you know when I'm cooking and so I think that that would be really interesting to see that and then of course of course this is going to lead into a whole spinoff mini series of potion ingredients distributors and how they, you know, catch the animals or whatever that are needed for the potion <laughs> ingredients or how they make these products and how they sell the them. The real fantastic beasts and where to find them. Exactly, exactly. Something I did notice going back to Flipwick and his golden bubbles. Um, Flipwick and because... his golden bubbles. <laughs> I, um, I So I, he was there decorating the tree, but he was just doing Wingardium Leviosa on the ornaments which is Mm -hmm. fine and it's like that's like the one spell that he does in this movie um so I would like to see you know just like we've been saying just like the details from the book that just like the day-to-day life of the wizarding world and I just I mean I mean I just had a thought in saying that they don't even have to like do it in order like if they want to maybe change it up a little bit and like put them out of order that how the book introduces it i think that's fine as long as like they're taking that opportunity to continue to build the world as the story is progressing right because there's like so many little things in there that 
that can be added like you you can have like like the whole draco malfoy conversation like i was saying like he obviously did that weeks before after they had lost uh after they had lost at gryffindor and so he's like making these jokes but nobody's reacting to it mm-hmm. you don't have to make a scene weeks before the holiday just to kind of have that be shown you literally can just add that line right before he makes the actual line in the book uh to harry about jabbing his family and like that's just a it's a simple change it doesn't necessarily do anything but then it but it adds to draco's character so much and so like yeah if they mix it up a little bit and have to like take little things that happened differently in the book but then just added them into the movie to do that world building like we're discussing i think that would be a totally fine option So the montage that I do think would be fun for the episode is after everybody's left to go home for the holidays, um, Ron ends up staying and Harry, of course, chooses to stay. And it describes, the book describes several things that they're doing. Like they're playing chess. They're at the fire. They've got the good armchairs and they're roasting, uh, well, roasting marshmallows. S'mores is my favorite dessert so when i hear roasting marshmallows i automatically think s'mores um they're playing chess and so like just seeing them be kids during the holidays at school i mean pretty much unsupervised right um Mm -hmm. would be a fun montage actual montage this time (laughs) yes i i think that would be a good one yeah speaking of wizarding chess though Mm -hmm. i want a talking wizard chest of course like shouting at harry like mm-hmm. hey don't send me over there it's obviously that night's gonna kill me like how more comedic could you get with mm-hmm. a talking right. wizard set like you need that needs to be the addition to this episode like just pure comedy gold harry trying to learn how to play wizard chests with them all not listening to him and being like, I don't want to die. Please don't send me over there, please. <laughs> I wonder what happens at the end of the game. Like, do you just cast Reparo on the pieces? Or like, do you have to get new pieces? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, I don't know. Do they just well, heal I mean, Ron's is like, pretty battered. So they yeah. must cast Reparo, right? I would imagine so, because Ron's set was from his grandfather, and they've probably right. seen quite a game or two. Another question for everybody. What's your headcanon on what happens to the chess pieces at the end of the game? I always thought that they just sort of repaired themselves when the game was over. I mean, not that they went back into perfect condition, but they, you know, if the pieces okay. broke, yeah. then they sort of fixed themselves when it was like time to go back in the box. As soon as you say checkmate? Yeah. Hmm. That would be an interesting little thing to see. I also, of course, wrote down Seamus's untrustworthy chess pieces because <sighs> I, I agree that that is so hilarious to have that. And um, they did, I think, in the film, they did a good job of the CGI for what they Oh, yes, yeah, definitely. I loved that part. So I think they were probably limited. That's my guess, is that they were kind of limited on what they could do or they were so focused on like just having some good CGI in general for something like that. But um, now that we have, that's like easy peasy for people who know how to do that. I think that adding in the humor would be really great. 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. Like I, I want talking chess pieces in this show. <laughs> like that's just one of my requests. I want hands down. Can't want... not do that. The little, the interview style of the show that I'm dreaming about. I want the chess pieces to be interviewed on like, I want like them to give a little background on themselves. You know what I mean? Like there's a couple chess pieces that are really good friends and they're like, there's like three of them that are talking together and they're like riffing off of each other. And then there's one chess piece. that's like, Oh, this one, this, you know, Rook is always like doing this when we're in the box. Like, you know, like I want to hear like the, the lore and the friendship and the, the enemies of the chess pieces in each of the boxes. And do you think it's like our chess sets where you get both the black and the white? Or do you think you get your own like set of your own color of chess pieces? I thought that it was the black and the white because that's what we get. But of course, in the book, they say that like Harry had to borrow Seamus's to play against Ron. So I don't know. So you have your own like set of chess pieces i think that's what it is because i agree like harry had to if harry if ron had two sets he wouldn't have had to borrow from seamus what are they doing in the uk with chess we'll have to ask karen our british correspondent what chess is like i'm sure it i well i don't know i would assume it's like us where (laughs) you get the black and the white pieces and this is just a wizarding chess thing where you only have your own i guess but it's kind of interesting to think about because if you have your own set of chess pieces, it's kind of like your own D&D dice, you know, like they, not that we bond to D&D dice, but your chess pieces will start to like know you and like you can have your own tells. They're like, no, don't move me there. Like, wink, wink, move me over here. Wink, wink. As Ron says, that's wizard's chest. Chess, no. not chest. Well, any final comments on leading up to Christmas? break until we get uh, to christmas day only madam pence like come on we have to have her in the sh- in the show mm-hmm. yeah again so, just all of those characters that were cut yeah i wrote down books pence is gone pence is gone <laughs> well i don't they have her like they casted her at the table so someone's playing her like huh. in the in the great hall when they're all all the teachers are there for the sorting Interesting. so they actually but do we have never an see her in the library that, yeah mm-hmm. we never see her in the library but the actress was cast and she has a physical appearance she has just no lines and no scenes and nothing kind of scenario yeah so. and that's the same with the astronomy teacher too right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the astronomy teacher is also cast but never yeah. see her in class or has any lines so we wake up on christmas day and Harry finally has presents. Mm, so cute. I love it. <sighs> it's also kind of sad. I hate that feeling of knowing that somebody out there didn't get presents. And you're just I like, love that oh. we get to see that. Like we get to be there to see Harry's joy of receiving his first presents. Yes. And I thought Dan Ratcliffe did such a good job I of know. displaying that shock. And then acceptance and joy. And like not really believing it at first. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And all of the people that gave him presents. Hagrid gave him a present. The Weasleys. Hermione. um... Yeah, Mrs. Weasley is goat of absolutely of all time. (laughs) 
And the fact that Ron even wrote her a letter saying he didn't think Harry was going to get any presents, first of all, explains like their relationship that he knows how the Dursleys treated him. That he thought, like this is Ronald we're talking about. He actually thought to write his mom, Harry's not going to get any gifts. And then, of course, she comes through. Yeah, Ron has surprising emotional depth when we're not expecting it. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Weasley is the goat of all mothers. Yes. I'm absolutely. saying it now. She I is love... the model role model. Yes. Yeah. Um, I love how excited Ron is about the muggle money because we all get like that when we see other countries' money. And mm-hmm. it's just really cute that, you know, that was written in because of course he would be excited about that. Like any, I think any wizard would be excited to see muggle money. And we see that throughout the the series, the times that wizards or witches do come across the muggle money when they're not used to being in the muggle world, you know, they're like yeah. fascinated by it. Cause I think that's a very human phenomenon. And so I think that adding that little piece into the show would be really cute. Oh, I wrote that down too. I was like, yeah. this is this is a great little thing, a little nugget for them to kind of work with. Ron being excited about muggle stuff. He's like, oh, what is this? This is actual money? You know, yeah. you know what question this brings up for me is, <laughs> so it's called a 50 pence piece. What is 50 cent called in the UK? The romper. <laughs> I imagine just the like imagine if there was a rapper in the UK called Fifty Pence, like we would not be able to take that seriously. <laughs> My gosh, that was that was great. I love that. Whew, composure. <laughs> this is what Harry Potter makes me think about. Um, so in addition to his Weasley sweater, we also get, um, the cloak that was once his father's, but we don't know who gives it to him. I mean, we do now, but in (laughs) in this point of the story, we don't. It's a mystery at the moment. Um, I really liked how they did the cloak. Well, I, they just did a really good job with the cloak in the film. Um, Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how they redo it because I feel like you it is definitely it, it feels like he's wrapping a green screen around him. Like it's just very um sharp. I don't know how like blunt. I don't know how to describe it, but um the fact that he just completely disappears, I really like the effect. Um, but with today's CGI, it'll be really interesting to see how they portray the invisibility cloak. Definitely. I think that's going to be something that we're, we're going to be able to see throughout is just how much more they're going to be able to add to the world and to the magical effects and things. Because, I mean, we see it in the movies, like as CGI got better, the magicalness of the world progressed yeah. continuously. But like to start over with where we're at in technology and seeing what they're doing with Star Wars and the Marvel movies and all this other stuff, like just taking all of that and applying it to Sorcerer's Stone. Boom. Here we go. How, how big are we going to go with this? And I imagine they're probably going to go pretty big. 
Yeah, for sure. How can you not? It's Max and it's Harry Potter. <laughs> Do we have more to say about the jumpers? You and by that I mean I have something to say about the jumpers if we <laughs> it's an appropriate time to um I really really want to see Fred and George being yes. even sillier in the jumpers because the times that we do see Fred and George are like kind of funny but kind of flat as usual with almost all of the characters in the film um and so I want to see that because this scene is so silly in the book. And I remember reading it for the first time when I was that age and thinking it was so funny. And then when they shove the jumper over Percy's head and knock his glasses askew and then, you know, talk to him about eating dinner with them for Christmas dinner and frog marching him out of the uh, the dormitory room. Like, I want to see all of those scenes because that's just so you know, quintessentially the Weasley brothers all interacting. Yeah. And we definitely miss that. We miss a lot of Percy in the films for sure. So I want to see more of that in the book or in the show. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, Percy's a great example. And that's what I was, that was what I was saying at like the beginning is like this first half of the episode, all this whole Christmas stuff we we can just we get to that point where they've opened the presents and now they're all going downstairs to eat like that to me is like the beginning of the montage of the episode because like we can just do like all we have to do is just see them interact with each other and have music playing in the background yeah and we see harry enjoying the food and pulling the crack the wizard firecrackers out and like seeing how that like explodes into like the smoke and then like presents appear and dumbledore like laughing at a joke with flitwick and Hagrid kissing McGonagall on the cheek and her going going oh like all of those little things and then seeing them play outside and seeing them eat more food and just like I can see all of that being a montage and I feel like having all those little scenes would be great and like seeing Percy tell Harry how to use his new wizard wizard chess set and being like oh hey dude like move your thing over there and then Ron's like rolling his eyes and he's like oh it's an obvious move that like it's totally gonna get harry destroyed but whatever like having all those like little moments be quick little things right before he just goes to bed and just is like has this big smile on his face and it's just like what a great day yeah. like i think that's just gonna be an amazing moment to film an amazing moment to put together that kind of will make everybody watching it. Like, I just want to comment because um, they're not firecrackers. They're crackers, which is an actual like English thing. Um, we actually do them every year at Christmas in our house. And I've done it now um, with my family. And it's like, um, it's this thing that you pull um, each side and it does pop. Um, mm -hmm. And there's, there's a paper crown, a joke, and a toy or some sort of gifty thing inside. And you don't, so you don't know what's going to be inside until you pull it open. And they, they do make a pop, which I think is why they're called crackers. Mm -hmm. um, but my mom always did it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I said firecrackers. Um, I just, I guess it came out it, of my it's mouth. It's so that exciting way, to see them. I know, yeah. Um, because Keep he going. mentions that. 
Harry mentions that the ones that he had with the Dursleys were always kind of like crappy, um, which is still funny because at least the versions that I get, I have had some good ones, but they are really like crappy plastic toys sometimes. Um, so it was really funny to be like, oh man, like the Wizarding Crackers must be so cool because I know what those crappy ones are like. And I have had a few good crackers that have had like metal, um, like I've had like a pen, a metal pen in one before. Um, so it was really cool to relate to him in that way. Um, as an American, have like knowing what the cracker is um, and being fascinated by a cracker um, and then having Harry being fascinated by their wizard and crackers. Totally. That's all. <laughs> um, so anything else about presents and dinner and Christmas stuff before we get into the dun-dun-dun yes. chapter? All right, um, hit us. Well, first of all, okay, I have two things. First, the flamel scenes as far as the trio kind of badgering Hagrid a little bit with it and just you know, how they're still trying to look for Flamel. I think that what they did in the films, in the film for those Flamel scenes were great. I think overall they did a good job translating that, adapting that to the film. Um, and then I really, really want to see in the show, the teachers getting all giggly and flirting during Christmas dinner. <laughs> I want to see that so bad. Well, because doesn't that yes. add to what we've been talking about in the previous chapters? It's just like the teachers like having a life outside of just being in the classroom and like they have personalities and they have likes and dislikes and all of that kind of stuff. So like just having this cast of characters and getting to know them as well as these kids is just going to be an added bonus to having this TV show be made because like we we get to see these sides of the characters that we don't get to see like Hagrid giving McGonagall yeah. a kiss on the cheek would be mm-hmm. cute and would be kind of just like yeah adorable in some senses of the words because we don't get to see that we imagine it all the time when we read it but like we don't get to physically see that growth out of these characters because a lot of the times they are a little one faced in the in in a good portion of the movies and just they're flat mm-hmm. and they in those regards they have their high points and they have the things that we love about them that the actors brought to the table but there isn't any depth and there isn't any um growth in the in the matter of just like these little things that everybody just loves that they don't get to talk about a lot but i i agree i definitely want that listeners how bad do you uh, want to see hagrid uh, so much. kissing mcgonagall and then her giggling and like her hat falling a little bit like how bad how bad does everybody want to see that i think that would be the cutest and funniest little thing to add in so i demand it i demand it from <laughs> anything else for meeg's fire round okay um so they harry uses his cloak to sneak into the restricted section um and ends up making a ruckus and has to run away um and he finds himself in a room and um, this mysterious mirror and he ends up seeing his parents in the mirror 
which I have no gripes on how the movie did this at all. Like, I think with what they what they gave us and what they were given to work with, I think they kind of really did a good job in in exploring that section of Harry's life and exploring his desires and wanting to know his family and his tragic backstory and, and stuff. Um, what's interesting is how they were just able to yeah. throw Snape and Quirrell in there. Yeah, for, I wrote that down no too. apparent reason. So, I, I mean, I was just like, okay, so... I think I mean, so. Does that I don't remember, but I, I, like, I do think there's a like, part not... where Harry's either practicing or for some reason he's on his broom and he sees Snape maybe. And so he flies over the trees and they go to the Forbidden Forest, I think. I think it might be in the next chapter maybe. I And I'm I'm just pulling this out of the back of my mind. Mm. Yeah. Um, like memory. Because obviously when I was watching it, I'm like, I didn't read this, but it did ring a bell, but it was not in this moment. And then I'm like, wait, Harry is spying on them, but he's like on his broom, if I'm not mistaken. So we might, we might get to it in the next chapter or two. Okay. We'll definitely have to like, look out for that and keep in mind that because that once I've read the book and was watching the clip again, I was like, this doesn't match in my head like anymore like why why put this here of all places right yeah and, yeah other than that though like too, i love where they've it taken all, so. bits from another chapter and put it into this scene but um you know if it works it works i guess i remember it was just a little out of place i'm not annoyed about it anymore but i remember when i was younger and when i first saw this I was annoyed that in the book, the book that shrieks in the restricted section was a shriek, like a scream, like a high, I was thinking of like a high pitched sort of scream. And then in the movie, it was like a deeper yell. And I remember when I was little being like, why did they change the Mm -hmm. scream like that? But now I don't care. I think it was, I think it was fine. I think it was cool (laughs) to have the face coming out of the book. That CGI was so great. Yeah, I really like the face coming out. Yeah. Agreed. But yeah, I think overall, uh, it was a really great scene. I really liked, again, Dan Ratcliffe, the emotion he shows. Again, the confusion and then Mm -hmm. realizing who it is and then the, like, awe. He's just in such awe seeing them. And even the parents themselves and the way they're reacting, like, it's like they know what's going on. Um, and it was just a really sweet moment. Oh yeah, he did mm-hmm. such a good job with that. He's just a really great actor in general, obviously. Really is. But yeah, <laughs> it's hard when you're that young to like show that much emotional range, and he definitely did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is why Chris Columbus chose him. Um, mm-hmm. but speaking of his emotional depth, oh <laughs> yes, okay. I'm now going to reveal the deleted scene. So, in the movie, we get Harry finding his parents, and he's getting he gets excited, runs to go find Ron, pulls Ron in, 
see Ron sees the mirror and they have like the whole talk about him finding out that he sees himself as head boy and he only sees his family and we have that very sad moment of how can they my parents are dead like like you can't tell the future if they're dead so it's like you know all sad and and lonely or whatever but then it moves on to the next morning and everybody's eating dinner at the or breakfast or some a meal at the great hall and so everybody the weasleys are there percy's there um like everybody's like interacting with each other and then uh ron gets up and sees that harry's over in the middle of the great hall sitting by himself on the table in front of the fire and he rocks over and he's like he sees that harry's a little bit depressed and stuff and it word for word takes it out from the book of just ron saying hey do you want to go do something like um where what was the part of it you want to play chess harry no right why don't we go down and visit hagrid no you go i know what you're thinking about harry that mirror don't go back tonight like it go, does it word for word and it, you can tell that harry is just super focused on wanting to go back ron is super worried about what it's doing to him like because he can tell that harry's just not himself and that and it's all that stuff and so uh it's really great it really was acted out really well i was i'm, I'm kind of sad that they kind of took it away from yeah, the entire because thing because i feel like it would have added I something definitely, but it, in the book this is three nights and in the film it it it's all one night really and so um the the fact that he runs in and gets Ron and that's the same night, fine. But the thing that really made me mad, and <laughs> I think it's it is my it is my piece peeve. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to guess figure it out because you fixed it with the deleted scene. But um in the film, it makes it look like it's one night. Um and then in the book it's three nights, and when Dumbledore finally shows up, he he says, back again, Potter. And he says that in the film. And I'm like, what do you mean back again? It's the same night. He's in the same pajamas and like the same outfit. Um, and like maybe he just has one set of pajamas. I don't know. But I hate that they kept that line in because it is in the book. But it makes sense in the book because it's three nights. And in the film, it's like it, it makes it feel like it's all one night. And like, why would you be saying back again? And I my first watch, I probably didn't notice it. But now that we're doing it chapter by chapter and picking apart these things that are similar, I'm like, wait, why is that line still in here? But because you have the deleted scene in there, it, it cuts the nights up. Um, so they should have left that in because I definitely questioned Dumbledore's line about being back again. Definitely. And it, it kind of shows Ron's concern and like Harry's like obsession of wanting to to learn more about this and like wanting to learn more about his parents and his family because discovering that was probably really traumatic for him and brought back things that he's not even thought about for years because he's had to put mm -hmm. it to the side because the dursleys never talked about his family he he never got to know them he it was robbed of this experience because they were taken from him at such a young age that it, that he never got to feel some of these feelings and now they're just coming back in full force because he's gone almost 11 years or 10 years sorry without 
knowing who his parents are and this kind of just makes yeah. it makes him want to learn more and makes him want to kind of get to know them more and to know that that's his deepest desire is kind of like yeah whoa like that's and like yeah, not even like, that's kind of disappointing an image of them because if they're not going to even the Dursleys answer any questions he has they're definitely not going to show them a picture you know so he doesn't even know what they look like this is the first time he's even getting mm-hmm. to see them oh, he's seen them <laughs> but on a happy note he's wearing mosley weasley's sweater in the deleted scene that is sweet so he's got the green i i can't remember if they have an h on it though which i think is not according to what the book says but it is the weasley sweater it's all it's the emerald green and ron's wearing his as he's talking to him mm-hmm. and i think fred and george are wearing theirs uh and possibly percy i can't percy. remember it was like two seconds long but um <laughs> justice for percy <laughs> <laughs> but the but the point is is like there there it's, it's a happy little nod to him getting the the weasley sweater um, which we don't get to see in the one film. thing that ron mentions and it you, you say he says it in the deleted scene is he's like don't go back there and in the book it's like he knows it's bad almost like and why do you think that ron has this feeling and he knows that the mirror of mm-hmm. air said isn't good for him that's such a good question like ron of all people yeah i wonder if i wonder if it's because ron Mm. has never known that like ron has the opposite problem where he is around so much family all the time and he feels smothered by his mom at times and he's overshadowed by his brothers so he has that jealousy um built in to like his just general conception of what having a family is like so he has such the opposite not the opposite but such a different experience from harry with how he views family members that he might be just not understanding how much this means to harry and then maybe it also has to do with ron's just pretty insecure in general um because of a lot of family stuff and then harry's you know his only friend really and then it's the two of them you know almost alone at christmas and so he feels like something's taking his only friend away from him, you know, but I think, a, mm. I think it, my headcanon is that it mostly has to do with Ron's feelings about family and not understanding how somebody could possibly be that desperate to just see their family members in a mirror without even being able to talk to them. Hmm. Well, I don't think so because we know the mirror is dangerous because Dumbledore says it's dangerous. Like men have wasted their lives sitting in front of it, wishing for their desires to come true. And we know Ron has desires because it shows his deepest desires, which is to be uh, better than his brothers and all shapes and regards of, of, of what they were and how they overshadow him and stuff like that. And so he also has the ability to do exactly what Harry's doing. I just, I don't know. I don't really know why it didn't have the same effect that it did have, did have on Ron. And maybe that's something I can analyze a little bit deeper or go into a little bit deeper later. But um, I definitely think that the mirror has a type of magic that is affecting Harry and Ron can see that and ron immediately notices that harry's attitude is off 
from the first time from the first morning when Harry tells him about it, Ron's already gotten the feeling of like, this is even before he sees the mirror. He's already gotten the feeling of, uh, of like caution with it. And because of how Harry's obsessing over it kind of scenario. So it, it could just be that he, he knows his friend so well. And then just the fact that mm. he's off a little bit concerns him. And so that probably is just, he he's seeing some he's seeing his friend go over the deep end on something that he probably shouldn't and that's concerns him and he, he it could he be a little bit of both bad. of what you guys said like he is partially confused about why he wants to see them so badly but also concerned because it is changing his attitude a little bit like he doesn't want to play chess he doesn't want to go see Hagrid um, so he could be concerned and confused um, however, Harry doesn't listen to him and he does go back again and we are now visited by Dumbledore. Um, and they have a very great conversation about what the mirror does. Um, and, um, anything we want to talk about before one of the funniest lines of the chapter? Well, this is... Dumbledore and Harry's first interaction of many to come uh, going forward in the series. Um, this is like the first full-on conversation they ever have uh, as as a mentor and mentee type scenario. So, like, Harry's always heard of Dumbledore. Dumbledore obviously knows a lot about Harry, but, like, this is their first full-on interaction where they have a conversation and Dumbledore's first reaction is to sit down right next to Harry and like be at eyes level with him. Like Dumbledore isn't towering over him. Dumbledore isn't like treating him as like a little child. He's like literally treating him as like a fellow human being, like because Dumbledore gets what Harry's going through. And Harry's Harry's precedent on who Dumbledore is is now like cemented Dumbledore is somebody I could get along with. And the reason why he respects Dumbledore so much is because of how Dumbledore treated him on that first interaction. Yeah. It's a really great point. And so um, before they leave, Harry's like, Dumbledore, what do you see in the mirror? And Dumbledore's me? I see socks. Wool socks. You can never have too many socks. And let me tell you, I agree. Uh, you cannot have enough socks. Where do they all go? It's true. If you need to, uh, if you need ideas for Christmas presents for me, socks. Okay, good to know. <laughs> yeah. All right, I Meeks, do, do we nice have any rapid socks. fire? <laughs> I actually don't have a lightning lightning round. round the only other thing that I wrote was that I read the illustrated book. And as always, the illustrations in this chapter were gorgeous, especially um, in this chapter with Harry, um, like looking into the mirror. It was so beautiful. So anybody else who, well, you can, I'm sure just find it online too. 
but uh, anybody else who has read the illustrated version, or if you have the book, but you haven't peeked into the, into this chapter yet, look at that. I l looked at it and then the, there's an image too, or an illustration of Dumbledore sitting next to Harry. And it's so cute. I just was like looking at both of them tearing up because they're just be absolutely beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, it's a really great moment. Definitely. I have one more thing that I'll just throw out there that I didn't get to say, but um, with Madam Pence, if we are going to throw her in there as a character that's going to grow and we're going to like experience more with, this is a this is a thing that happens in the uh, the game of Hogwarts Mystery, uh, the app on your phone basically. Um, but it's a, a Valentine's Day event where you get Filch and Madame Pence uh -huh. set up, which is a very popular a couple, like fandom head uh, your characters ship. <laughs> yes, so like if we do have Madame Pence in there mm -hmm. and we are exploring the teachers like we want, like we've always been saying, I want that little That's chemistry so between Filch and Pence. Something I that, that I adorable. was surprised actually makes you didn't mention is in the beginning fred and george are throwing snowballs at the back of quarrel's turban oh i hate I. That. E., they're hitting voldemort in the face well yeah but i hate i hated reading that because it just is so <laughs> like i don't like that kind of humor you know like i i've never liked that and so when i was little i was like they're being so mean <laughs> obviously it's good that they're hitting voldemort <laughs> I know, but what do you think Voldemort's doing back there? Just blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so let's go on to peace pleasures. Um, let's start with you, James. My peace pleasure this time around is gonna have to be mm -hmm. the uh mirror of Eris Ed scene uh in general from beginning to end. I think the movie did it really well. Um getting to meet harry's parents and um i mean i i would tweak a few things for sure like maybe add his grandparents too like why not but um but i i think overall it was really well done it was really well acted we get to enjoy daniel radcliffe going against richard harris and just having them trade lines and I had like, you know, it's just it's it really makes you feel deeply for the character who experienced such a tragic loss that he can't even like comprehend because you you, you didn't know these people. They're for they're foreign to you. The the idea of them just doesn't make sense because you have nothing to hold on to. There's Harry's really just holding on to the idea of his parents because he has no physical memory of them and so i think deep down that that was really masterfully well put by christopher columbus and daniel radcliffe and richard harris and rupert grint being in there you know having that little hilarious scene of him just being like oh i'm head boy um but uh i think overall that i really loved how they how they put it together and i I want to have that be tweaked a little bit more, but 
not necessarily Just changed. I want that the yeah, TV show sure. to kind of expand on that feeling and add on to it and make that really hit, which would make the contrast of mm -hmm. Christmas and that scene together in one episode be like a really impactful, memorable episode. I would I would think that that would be an I I would think going forward in the future this episode would be one that is rewatched yeah. multiple times just for that alone. So Me that was my peeves piece. I mean, pleasure. My uh, peeves pleasure was the CGI in the film. I think that they did a, a great job in general. I think that they do a good job throughout the whole film, but we see um, quite a few spots of it in this movie or in this uh, in this scene or these couple scenes, I guess. And so I just think that they did a really good job. Yeah, they did. Um, my pleasure was also the mirror scene, in particular Harris's acting. I thought that they just did such a great job together. Um, not much more to say than what you said, James, um, except for the fact that rereading this, knowing Dumbledore's history and story it hits so differently mm -hmm. and so much more when he's asked what he sees in the mirror um because you know after you read the last book you know what he sees um or it could be a couple things um but um you know he plays it off and says well socks uh, because that's just the Dumbledore way um so yeah, that was also my peeves pleasure. Uh, what was your peeves peeve, James? Well, <laughs> it changed as I read the book. Because at first it was the deleted scene not being put in the movie. But I can come to grips with that eventually. Um, what I really now hate is the fact that <laughs> I don't get talking wizard chest chess. Like now that I remember that it's part of the story and that they're like actually figurines that like talk back to you. <laughs> I want nothing more in life than to see a live chess set giving instructions to a casual player in chess and be like, are you daft? Don't send me there. That is like the most idiotic move ever. And like, like fighting back because it just adds so much yeah. more comedic like comedy and like all that stuff and so i'm just i'm really upset that i didn't get to have that and i want that before yeah. i die <laughs> meigs your peeve just just that uh my peeve is this is gonna be maybe controversial i overall really like the mirror of air said scene i don't think that it was done poorly however i prefer how in the book um it's Dumbledore takes on more of a like fatherly type of role, less of the um, imposing professor role. And I feel like in the film, they made it a little bit, their relationship felt a little bit too um, uh, separated compared to how it was in the book. So it didn't feel as much like a bonding moment, which is what Harry really needed. I think it was fine, but I think that the book just had more of a bonding moment. And I, I liked how it played out in the book more than I like how it played out in the film. However, that does not mean that I actually fully disliked 
that scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. What you're going yeah. for is like it was more professional. And it was fine. I think that the acting was still really good, and like it, the the interaction in the movie was like professional versus like what he mm-hmm. was doing in the book, where he's like sitting down and being like a a, a mentor in sorts to Harry. Uh, to like what I was saying before, essentially. So I, 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 agree. I see your point, and I definitely agree. I'm not upset of what they did. I think it played well, but if there was mm-hmm. tweaks Agreed. to be added, it definitely would be what you just said. Um, and just a reminder, we already talked about my peef peef, which <laughs> was um Dumbledore saying back again, Potter, but it's all the same night. So I think they got that theme. So. Um, I guess your peeve can be that they have that as a deleted scene. Like, why have so many scenes deleted in general? Why is it a deleted scene? Yeah. So we'll have to have that in the show. Please and thank you. (laughs) Okay. um, James, who are you saluting this evening? Who or what am I saluting this evening? Well, see... Now I have the complete opposite problem of last week's episode because I have too much to say about this chapter. As we can already tell, because I'm part of the reason why this episode is going to be so long is because I'm talking a lot, which is unheard of at this point. You know, if somebody's been paying attention, I don't I don't talk a lot, but this this episode just made me go on lots of little tangents and I like that. That's great. So. Is it weird of me to just want to salute the entire chapter in general? Just be like, this this entire chapter is just amazing, really and chapter. I love it, and it yeah. was done really well, and it was written really well, and it has so many ups and downs, and just things that I want to see. And like, this is this is a chapter I'm envisioning the episode of, and if they if the creators of the TV show don't do it justice or don't do it the way that I want, I'm going to be severely upset. And that's obviously a really high bar. I'm already, I already know I'm going to be disappointed in something, but this has too many character moments and too many character growths and too, like it goes super deep into not only Harry, but Ron and Dumbledore's characters. And they have the trio like, building their relationship with Hagrid and like we see McGonagall blush and we like, like Flickwick is doing little cool bits of magic and telling jokes to Dumbledore. And like, there's there's just too much for me to like want to choose from. And so I love the entire thing and I Mm -hmm. need the entire thing to be amazing because I want this to be my favorite episode of the entire season. Cause uh, there you you can do so much with it it has to be it's you cannot merge it with another chapter before or after mm-hmm. it has to be its own episode it's got to be the christmas episode <laughs> so that i can watch it on christmas every year and it's got to be as amazing as I, mm-hmm. like it has to give me the same feelings i get when i read it because i don't want it to be any less than that if they can manage to make it more which i highly doubt like if they can make me feel more then they've succeeded but i do not want to feel less any yeah. less than i do when i feel read the book so 
I think this entire chapter was well done by JK Rowling. It's going to be one of my favorites from now on. Um, I'm going to be curious to see if I feel the same way about there any other chapters ones. moving so forward in any book of the one. books. So. <laughs> yeah, I know that's the, why I'm, that's why I'm curious. Like I'm going to start keeping a ranking mm-hmm. list of my favorite chapters going forward. And I want to see yeah. Good thing we have a if anything is going to top this going forward. Uh, Meeks, Meeks, who are we saluting tonight? Totally. Uh, or, or what? Acting, I think, was yeah. so fantastic in this. Baby Dan at it again. Um, and then I also want to do a mini salute to the illustrated version of this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Always. Those illustrated versions are great. But speaking baby. of baby Dan, baby, <laughs> baby Dan yeah, now has a baby. <laughs> oh, no, that's so exciting. I love that that just like it happened and because he's a very famous person, like people found out about it. But I like how it's still really quiet. You know, you don't hear that much about any of these actors. Mm-hmm. And I love that because there's a lot of actors where you hear too much about <laughs> what's going on and so i love that he was able to just like have a baby kind of on the down low yeah good for them definitely so my salute for the chapter is the quote it does not do to dwell on dreams and forget to live Mm -hmm. and it just hits because for me you know i struggle with anxiety and depression and one of the biggest triggers to my anxiety is imposter syndrome. Um, You know, I'm a business owner, so I'm constantly comparing myself to other of the same business um, in my industry, you know? And so I know he says, like, don't dwell on your dreams. And for me, it's like, I'm always focusing on what I could be and I'm not good enough because this person's better. Like, I could be that good. And it's like, oh, man, I got to remind myself, don't dwell on what can be and, like, forget what's going on right now. Like, Mm -hmm. there are things that are happening in my life that are really great. Um, And, like, I can't forget that. Um, Like, going out in the backyard with my babies is, like, the best thing ever. Yeah. Um, But if I'm spending too much time focusing on making my next collection and not spending time with my girls – it's like, that's not a win. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in the book and it's word for word in the film. And Richard Harris's delivery is just as good as it is reading it. Um, so listeners, don't dwell on your dreams and forget to live. Love it. Well, mm-hmm. and listen to who it's coming from. This is a guy who dwelt on his dreams a little too much and now his family's You're right. You're absolutely right. So he's not just saying it in casually. He's he's speaking from experience. An apt quote from him in a chapter where this little 11-year-old is asking what he sees in the mirror, which is, I'm sure, his family, you know, and reminding Harry, like, that this is what can happen oh man this is such a great writing (laughs) yeah i really enjoy this i love that quote i wrote it on my wall when my 
when I was little and my parents let me write all over the walls. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a good one. Uh, so any final thoughts before we close out? I don't think so. Nope. I, I've said enough already. <laughs> I can probably keep us going for like All another right. hour. But So thank you for causing havoc with us too. today. Next time, we will be discussing Chapter 13, which is Nicholas Flamel. And this is an hour and 36 minutes and 43 seconds of the film to an hour and 38 minutes and 38 seconds of the film, which is only two minutes. So I'm going to be wrong. I'll correct that on the next for the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> James, where can everybody find you? James M. Beltran. And that is on Instagram and TikTok. If you, uh, you, you got, you all got a huge helping. This is like a huge feast compared to some of the other episodes of me just going deep down into characters and analyzing their uh analyzing their ticks and and things that make them work and function as characters if you like that then go to my tiktok i'm not really going to do a lot on instagram but you know i might post a thing or two there but uh tiktok i'm gonna be delving into that more and more and more and just kind of show just like how this world functions <laughs> and why everybody loves harry potter and why do these things work so well um so I'm super excited for, for that. And I'm kind of just, I'm getting it started now. So we're, we're, I'm in the infancy of this all, but uh, I can't wait to kind of see how it goes and see where it goes. So if you want to see that, right. follow me there. Weeks, where can everybody find you? You can find me mainly on Instagram at Megan, M-E-G-A-N underscore Lachowski, L-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. And then from there, you can find all of my other accounts that I have and all the projects I'm working on. And you can find me, Sarah Day, on Instagram at Captain.McD, and that's M-C-D-E-E. -E. Um, and just like me, you can find my other projects like the business i just talked about um tagged over there and you can find peeves gap fest on instagram and tiktok and threads at peeves gap fest and um don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and please leave us a five-star review on apple podcasts if you have any feedback for us, you can leave us a voicemail at 409-422-3378. That's 409-GABFEST. Or you can email us at peevesgabfest.com. You can also join the discussion in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash peevesgabfest. Until next time, Ickle Firsties. <laughs> <laughs>